0: Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Michelle Leslie. And
1: I'm Amy Spreeman, and welcome to another What Would You Do episode. You know, it's been about 10 months since our last What Would You Do episode, so if you're a new listener or if you're a longtime listener who's just forgotten what this is all about, here's how it works. Uh, There was a reality TV show on ABC called What Would You Do, and the premise of that show is that they would uh, set up some sort of a weird, unexpected scenario in a public place, see how people react, and then interview some of those people About why they reacted the way they did. For example, they might go to a restaurant and have some actors playing rude customers or an actress who's playing a waitress just to see if any of the real customers at nearby tables intervene on behalf of this poor struggling waitress, you know, things like that.
0: Right. So, Amy and I are going to do the podcast version of that tonight. We've each come up with three what would you do type scenarios to ask each other about. But here's the catch. We've kept those scenarios a secret from each other, so we've both got to give our answers off the cuff. Now, if you'd like to play along, listen to the scenario, hit pause, come up with your answer, and then hit play again to see how we answered. You might even like to share your answer with us on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram page, and of course, you can find all the links for those at
1: awardfitlyspoken.life. Ready, Amy? Well, I think so. I'm always a little bit nervous about these things because you know neither one of us knows what's coming. So, so this is you That's know right. it, it's our chance to kind of blindside each other. So, okay, fire away. It <laughs> it really is, but
0: you know I would never blindside you, my friend. I would never <laughs> do that to you. I would you only never ask have. you questions. <laughs> I only ask you questions that I know you'll do a good job of answering uh, and you always okay. have. So here we go. This is really more of a real life, what should I say situation than mm-hmm. what would you do? But I'm hoping that your answer will help me out with this little dilemma, Amy. So here we go. Okay. As you and most of our listeners know, I travel over overnight a lot speaking at women's conferences. And I've had some of the kindest, most gracious hosts and handlers that you would ever want to meet. They treat me like a queen, and they really put themselves out for me. It's very humbling, and I'm so grateful to them. So I will get to wherever it is that I'm speaking, usually fly there, and get. I'll get settled into my hotel or my host's home for the night, and I'll get up the next morning ready for the conference, and every single time, I mean, I, I almost laugh waiting <laughs> for this question to come, but every single host will ask me the same question. Can you guess what it is Amy? I don't know. You get up, you get <laughs> up that that next morning, you get up that next morning and they always say, "Did you sleep did well?" Did you sleep well? Yes. Okay, I got did you it. Sleep okay. Well? Oh, thanks yeah. for that question Michelle. On to the no, next I- one. <laughs> oh wait, that wasn't it? I'm not done yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. So the dilemma is, I hardly ever do sleep well. And I don't think that's ever been the fault of my host that I can recall. You know, the bed is always comfortable. The room is always nice. I just don't sleep well away from home or I am sleeping well. And then I wake up in the night from a hot flash or something and I can't get back to (laughs) sleep or whatever. So the honest answer to their question, did you sleep well, is usually no, but I don't want to be a downer. I don't want them mm-hmm. to think it's their fault because it isn't. And I also don't want them to worry that I'm not rested enough to do a good job of speaking at the event. So how do I avoid all of those things and still answer honestly? Amy, what what would you do? Or should I ask, what should I say? <laughs>
1: Well, I think you should say exactly what you said. you can you can compliment them on their the, you know the room was nice and quiet. The bed was comfortable. Um, but you know, I was awake thinking about what I was going to, you know working through the presentation. So, uh, I wasn't tossing and turning, but I was really kind of you know my mind takes a while to shut off when I'm speaking and uh, mm-hmm. and leave it at that. Change the subject then and move on, but you haven't lied, and you were honest, and you've complimented them on the fine accommodations. And I think you know they'll all be happy with that. Well I think that's a great a great solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah I just I, don't uh want people to feel like, oh what did I what could I have done? Did you need like a right. fan in there? Did you you know was was right. the bed hard? Were the sheets scratchy or anything like that? Just say, Oh, the bed was so cozy and comfy. I really thank you for that. But um, you know, my mind was racing so much, I I think that uh I I will probably sleep better tonight.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah. I,
1: hadn't, I hadn't thought of
0: that. So that gives me another little tool in my toolbox. I, I'm sure yeah. I'm way overthinking this. You know, it's just one of those meaningless little pleasantries that you reply to with the expected answer. Like, you know, when somebody asks you, how are you doing? You just automatically say, I'm fine. I'm fine. So it, yeah. and it doesn't really mean anything. And in that situation, I don't have any problem with saying, I'm fine. When somebody asks me, mm-hmm. how are you doing? Even if everything in my life is imploding at the moment, because I figure I'm still a ton better off than a lot of people and compared to them, I'm just fine. So that's what I mean when I'm having a terrible day and (laughs) and I say, I'm fine when somebody says, how are you doing? So, you know, maybe I should just think of it that way and say fine. Or I was also thinking of saying something like the Lord provided all the rest that I needed, because when you believe in the sovereignty of God, like I do, that's true. You know, if the Lord thought I needed more rest, he would have conked me out and I would have gotten more (laughs) rest. So I did get all the rest (laughs) I needed. (laughs) So maybe exactly. I'll go with that or something, you know, like with your suggestion that that was really good. Um, you know, the Lord provided all the rest I needed. It's it's honest, it's upbeat and it's biblically accurate. And then I can also compliment them on the uh, on the accommodations. So Dilemma solved. Thank you very much.
1: There you go. Well, <laughs> glad to be of help. And may all my uh, questions that you give me be this easy. <laughs> well, not quite all of them,
0: but maybe the second one will be. But I'm ready for my first question from you.
1: All right, well, this one isn't from me. This one is from a listener named Kathy, and she writes this, "'Hey, Amy, I have a question for you to ask Michelle.'" I need some advice. I recently private messaged two influential Christians regarding my concerns about a social media post each of them made on Facebook. The individual's posts were not related. They were two different subjects. Uh, One was stating that we must make reparations. And uh, sidebar, Michelle, I'm assuming that that means that, um, you know, white people financially compensating black people for past historical wrongs like slavery. That's what I take reparations to mean in in today's (laughs) news context. Um, And the other one was favorably quoting the late Pastor Tim Keller. Now, along with my respectful explanation, I included a video of reputable and knowledgeable individuals to provide biblical support for my concerns. Now, both of these well-known individuals responded negatively to my messages, which sort of surprised me, but what was so disappointing was that they both explicitly refused to watch the videos I sent them. Do you think that I did the right thing by addressing my concerns to them? I think you have said before that 95% of the time people respond negatively when questioned like this. Do you think that's why they reacted in the way that they did toward my message to them? It was very disheartening, as if they think they're above even being questioned. Any advice for when I feel the need to do this again in the future? Thank Mm -hmm. you so much for your answer. Well, Michelle, uh, what do you think? What would you say? Well,
0: that can be a really subjective kind of situation. Yeah. Um, the the people that the lady wrote to may have thought they were just being direct in answering her, uh, and that was the tone that they they intended and didn't intend for her to be, you know, to be rude to her or for her to perceive them as not being gracious or or whatever. And she may have perceived directness as um, you know, being rude or something like that. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to say because we all have our own perspective of things. And sometimes the other person doesn't mean it the way that we receive it. So, um, uh, there's, there's a lot of moving parts to this. Let me, let me address the video first. Um, Sometimes people will send me videos of of whatever to support their position and they're like an hour and a half or two hours or five hours long. And I just don't have time to watch yeah. stuff like that. I mean, I get emails all the time. I get comments all the time. I'm super, super busy and I just don't have the time. Now, I'm not saying that that lady necessarily, you know, maybe it was just a five minute video. I don't have any way of knowing. But if if that if the length of the video is the reason, you know, that might be a reason mm-hmm. that they didn't watch the video. That's that's a reason that I don't watch videos that people send me. Sometimes they're just too long and I just don't have enough time. So yeah. I would take that into consideration depending on the length of the video. Um, the, uh, I think she said they they refused to to take the post down or was that something that she said? Uh, they
1: responded negatively
0: they responded negatively. Yeah. You know, it's really hard to say because we don't have all the details. So, um, uh, it's hard to say whether the person that was being addressed was in the right or whether the person, the lady that wrote them the, um, about her concerns was in the right. So we really can't make a call on that. I guess I would just say if someone sent me a, uh, an email, Concerned about something that I had posted on social media, and they sent me a video that was of you know a doable length <laughs> that I <laughs> would have time to watch it or whatever.
1: Two minutes, uh, yes. <laughs> if,
0: if, if they if they explained themselves uh, articulately and briefly in the email. And I thought that maybe there was a problem. I would certainly consider that. I would definitely consider any rightly handled biblical, uh, any scriptures that they sent me or whatever. And I would consider whether I had gotten something wrong or not. Um, And I would Mm -hmm. try to be. Polite when I address the person. I'm look. I'm a human being, just like everybody else. I get irritated with people, just like everybody else does. I'm the Lord is working on me and convicting me about that, and so I'm trying to do, uh, to do well about that and be more godly about that. Uh, so I would try to be patient and kind and and loving. But um, one of the things that happens a lot of times, and I'm not saying that the lady who wrote this wrote this question was this way. But a lot of times people will write in, they'll write an email complaining or criticizing or being concerned about something that I've written or something that I've said. And they don't, um, they won't accept the fact that I have considered what they've said. And I have found what they've said to be unbiblical or unfair Mm -hmm. or, um, or something of that nature. And if, and I won't, I'm not going to take back what I said, or I'm not going to take down the post or whatever it is, because they're wrong. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, and some people are not willing to consider the fact that maybe they're wrong. And they, they feel like if you don't roll over and do what they want you to do. And again, not saying the lady that wrote the question was like this, but they, they feel like if you don't knuckle under and do which, what they want you to do, then you're you know, you're just unteachable, you're stubborn, you're prideful, mm. you're whatever. And here you've considered everything that they've said, and they're just not biblically correct. <laughs> so um, <laughs> there are just a lot of moving parts to that question, not a whole lot of specific information. But if someone was, was uh, addressing me that way, I would certainly take it into consideration um, and pray about it and act accordingly. Uh, if I were the person writing in, I'm not sure which side she was asking for. If I were the person who was writing in with a concern and, you know, I got a response that was not agreeing with me, I would probably just leave it at that. Um, you know, you can unfollow those people on social media if you want to, or, or whatever. And a lot of times, uh, a lot of times it's not necessarily worth it. E- emailing the person that you disagree with. Sometimes it's best to just keep on scrolling or unfollow the person or maybe just leave a very brief comment on the on the social media post disagreeing with them or something like that. Um, but I wouldn't uh, you know I, I wouldn't use up a whole lot of my time emailing people like that. You can do much better to be serving your church, serving your family, doing something a little more constructive, which is not to say that you should never email somebody like that. I'm just saying, make sure you do all things in a biblical balance and, and that you're not getting so wrapped up in something that's going on on social media that you're neglecting other things that God has for you to do. So. Uh, yeah, I hope I that like answer that. was
1: satisfactory <laughs> well and it's hard because it's a little vague on details so uh, so we don't know how the question was asked or, or anything like that but right. um I, I like how you brought up you know kind of focusing on on what is good um, it reminds me of that verse I believe Titus Titus 3 uh, where it says that you know we warn a divisive person once yes. and then uh, warn them a second time and then after that have nothing to do with them and I know that in this context um you know when you're when you're contending or trying to, uh, we have to remember who are the divisive people, and right. that's those who bring false doctrine um, to to fall or false teachings, you know, that kind of thing. Not the person who lovingly exhorts that person, right. but. Um, but it's a good idea to focus on that lovingly part because we don't. We also don't know how she asked the question. It might have been just loving as could be. Um, but but I also like how she said, uh, you know, ninety five percent of the time. I've heard you say that most of the time, um, you know, people get very defensive and they uh, they react negatively, and and yeah. that is true, um, especially when you're talking about people who are major influencers. Some of them are, are pastors who have a huge huge right. platform and they're they're on social media all the time and. Um, you disagree with something they say, and if you approach them privately, like she did, and that was nice that she did it privately. Yes. Um, you know, oftentimes they are quick to defend themselves because they don't want to consider that they may have a blind spot and right. maybe they're quick to defend this false teacher because they don't want to believe that this person that they admire is not who they thought. So, right. um, and, and she said that she sent her uh, message privately, that, you know, that's that's really usually more effective. Yeah. Um, it is kinder that way. It allows the person to save face and not be embarrassed and maybe even correct any errors that they might be making. Um, I, I would just add for people who don't know, listeners, if you don't know why Tim Keller was problematic, you know, sharing a, a tweet or, a I guess, Facebook post from him. Um, I'm going to share some links about his involvement with mysticism and progressivism in the show notes. Uh, we don't need to go into that too deeply right now. But as far as the Christian social media influencer who posted that we should be obligated to make reparations – That's a really strange take, (laughs) you know, one that I certainly don't agree with, but how did that even work? You know, um, it is... A very liberal idea to say the least and and one that really has no basis in scripture but um, but our question was really more about should I be sharing videos that back up my concerns when these mm-hmm. things come up in the future uh yeah, yeah sure as long as like take into consideration what Michelle just said about um you know the length you know don't make people sit through a, a whole five-hour diatribe of you know things um it is helpful to do that um and, and also sh- uh, for them if they decide to investigate it later even if they do respond now negatively, they'll have something they can look back on maybe. Um, it's also helpful, though, to be brief and share scripture with them. Just say, mm-hmm. you know, I have some concerns. I'll put this video link in here, but I also want to share the scripture, and this is where I'm coming from. Even if you don't feel confident sharing an entire you know, diary of your own words, just a sentence or two um, with that uh, scripture link is better than just a YouTube video. And do let them know that you care about them and wish them no ill will. Uh, that really goes a long way, toward communicating and sharing truth and love, as we Christians like to say. Right. Um, so that, that would be my thought to Kathy. And Kathy, thanks so much for writing in. Really appreciate that.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, what is next on the agenda? We've got some more people. We we had actually we had so many people write in that uh, we'll have some leftovers. Uh, so, if if you wrote in and you don't hear your question tonight, um, please just know that we are saving those up. We'll have some uh, leftovers that we're going to do in the future. Yes,
0: we will. That's always a fun episode <laughs> is to call through those leftovers and see what we can come up with. Okay, I yes. think I had said earlier that uh, my second question was the other easy one, but I think it must be the third question. This one's not too hard. I oh. think you can do this one, Okay, but uh, this one's all not right. the other easy one. All right, so here's here's my next question. You're a college student on a football scholarship, okay? You finally, okay. finally, you get off the bench and, and you get to start in Saturday's big game. Saturday's okay. big game also happens to be Pride Night with all the accompanying pride hoopla and all that. Ah. So if you refuse to play, you lose your big opportunity to play, you know, in the game and you lose your scholarship, which means you'll have to drop out mm-hmm. of school. Now your parents say it's no big deal and you should go ahead and play. So what do you think, Amy, what
1: would you do? Hmm. I have some questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I need to clarify. Okay. okay. Um, Am I being required to wear uh, the, any pride colors, any LGBTQ flags or, or, you know, little pieces of tape on my tennis shoes or anything like that?
0: Um, That's a good question. I think most of the in, in most of those games like that, they probably do wear some kind of little something on their uniform, like a ribbon or some yeah. not ribbon, but like a rainbow or something like that. So let's go ahead and say yes to make it consistent with real life.
1: Okay. Um, and actually we had a, uh, we're in a smaller town and we have one of those, uh, what do you call them when the, when the baseball team is not like, uh, you know, the major leagues, it's not really the minor leagues, it's more like a a field. What do you call that, Michelle? You know, Is that what they call them? a farm team? Yes, I guess so. Yeah, we, we have that going on, and there's there's Pride Night, and a lot of times, but they play year round, and a lot of times, um, these these gentlemen um, will, you know, make a statement by not wearing the colors, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes they get booed even, and uh, uh, but they but they refuse to wear the colors, but they'll play anyway. Mm-hmm. So there's that option. Um, again, we d- we don't want to be um, seen as nodding and approving of any kind of compromise like that at all because we know that we don't want to even give the appearance of anything that's not to do with God, right? Mm-hmm. As a Christian. Um and so I believe this could be a matter of conscience if you were not required to wear anything that re- that shows rainbow Pride colors on your helmet or anything like that. If, if you could get out there and play, maybe put a Bible verse on your helmet. I don't know. I don't know what that would do, but well, that might be a little, you know, that'll probably get you thrown out your of your face kind get of thing.
0: Your, your scholarship revoked too. Uh, yeah, you know? <laughs> it's,
1: it'd be, you'd be yanked anyway. And, and the goal is to glorify God, right. the goal is not to hang on to your scholarship, even though the scholarship is really cool that you got that and you probably wouldn't be able to have, you know, what you have in school, have this educational opportunity without some kind of help financially financially. However, that is just a blip in the radar in eternity. And if you are required to compromise in any way, and, and you have to choose between that and glorifying God. I mean, the the what would you do question becomes rather easy yeah. then, because in light of eternity, you always want to glorify God. You, you don't ever want to compromise. Um, You know, if if it was something where, you know, half the team wasn't going to wear the pride colors and it was just one of those things they did in the stands, um, you know, it, you know a lot of people that come to those things aren't necessarily there for the pride stuff. They just want the hot dog and they want to watch their team play. So... Again, um, it's a matter of conscience until. And unless it becomes a, a thing where you're actually compromising. So never, ever compromise on the Word of God. Never give the appearance of evil. But if there is a way to not take part in some of those things, um, you, you really have to use your best judgment and pray, pray, pray for wisdom. And if there's any way that you can glorify God in what you're doing by witnessing that night in any way, um, that, would be, that would be one way, I guess. What do you think, Michelle? How would you have answered that question? Well, I agree
0: with everything that you said, obviously, but, I, you know, I would like to think that at that age, I would trust the Lord completely and refuse to play. And I had not thought of the yeah. the issue of the not wearing the colors or anything like that, but just on the, uh, you know, on the, the basis of the other information. Um, but I remember what I was like at, 18, 19, 20, you know, mm-hmm. very much a people pleaser, especially with authority figures like my parents and my coaches. Maybe if I had been a boy yeah. and a football player, I would have been a little more assertive. But I think Michelle at that age would probably have trusted her parents and coach and, and would have done what they said. Um, you know, I'm just mm-hmm. being transparent. It's it's what would you do, not what yeah. should you do. <laughs> you should do what Amy what said. What did you do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should do what Amy said. You should not. Do what I said and knuckle under like that. You should be think for yourself and think biblically, um, and make sure that if you're yeah. obeying authorities, that they are not uh, telling you to do something that contradicts God's word or something like that. So, I, yeah, I think I, I would not have done what I should have done probably. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I can say that about many of the things that I did in my uh, 19s and 20s, too. (laughs) But I I will say, too, that there are a lot of players who who are Christians who never would have imagined that these situations could come up. And yet here in the past five, ten years or so, here we are and and more and more this is going to happen whether it's on you know a, a playing field or in school or in in anything um these these situations are going to come up and we we need to think ahead we, we need do. to this is a great opportunity to to tell our listeners think ahead because um things that you don't imagine will happen now situations that you don't even think could happen probably will yeah. and you just have to be prepared to you know give an answer for the hope that you have in Christ and be prepared to walk worthy and be prepared to leave and walk away from what seems to be neat opportunities. So, I, and a lot of Christian uh, athletes have gotten in trouble for doing just that. So, yeah. They're in good company. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's
0: an excellent point, Amy. And don't compromise on on being obedient to God. You know, you, we're going to end up having to put our money where our mouth is. Do we really believe that God will take care of us or not? And yeah. when you compromise because you're afraid, that you won't have that job or you won't have that money or your your future is going to be ruined or whatever. You know, there's no glory in that. That doesn't bring God glory for you to, to weenie out and, and compromise and, no. and not stand firm and obey Him. But when you do stand firm and obey Him, no matter what happens in your temporal circumstances, there is glory in that for God. And there is a blessing mm-hmm. for you for obeying God in that situation, even when it's hard. So yeah,
1: do what Amy said. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Amy, I am
0: ready for my next question. What's the scenario?
1: All right, this next question. You recently discovered that a friend of yours from church is having an extramarital affair, and she doesn't know that you know about this, but you did find out about it. Should you confront her? And if so, how would you do that biblically? Michelle, what
0: do you think? Gosh, that is a rough situation. Okay, well, you've got you've got to confront her about it. You, there's just no two ways about it. Um, you need to go to Matthew 18:15 yes. through 20 and study the steps of church discipline because that's what. Did you say she's in the same church with you?
1: Same church, and same a friend. Church.
0: Okay, yeah, same church and a friend. Okay, um, so yeah, so you've got to go to Matthew 18, study that passage verse verses 15 through 20 really well because that's the passage on um, church discipline and you've got to go to her and say hey i I know you're doing this I saw you or I heard you on the phone or whatever the case may be um, if I would say if you just like heard this from somebody else it's hearsay. Uh, maybe approach it a little mm-hmm. bit differently because sometimes there are rumors and sometimes people get their signals crossed and they think they saw something and they didn't really see it or whatever. So just, um, if you don't know for sure, I would just say, Hey, this is what I'm hearing. Is this true or whatever? But if yeah. you know for sure say, you know, I, I know that you're doing this and you need to repent. You need to stop doing this. You need to confess to your husband. Um, the two of you probably need to go in and, make up an appointment with the pastor and get some pastoral counseling. Um, but you need to repent. And yeah. then Matthew 18 would tell us that if she doesn't, you know, you might give her a couple of days and check back in with her or whatever. And if she has not repented or if she digs her heels in, then the next thing to do is to take one or two other people with you. Maybe some, some godly older women that she respects, or maybe you bring your pastor in on it then and yeah. uh, and talk to her about it again. And that's the second step and hopefully she will repent at that point. If she doesn't, if she digs her heels in again, the next thing you do, you know, th- at that point it's kind of in the pastor's hands since she's a member of the church. Um, he would need to decide what to do. but the third step is to bring this issue before the church and, re- you know really hope that she would yeah. repent at that point, but if she doesn't, then at that point, She's to be um, excommunicated is, I guess, the best word for it uh, and treated like an unbeliever. Her membership is to be revoked and she's to be removed from the church. Uh, At some point along the way, you know, her husband's going to have to find out. So that would, you know, kind of be situational. and, And you'd have to figure out the wisest and most biblical way to either talk to him or tell her to, confess to her husband or maybe your husband would talk to her husband or the pastor would talk to the husband or something like that. But yeah, you can't just sweep that kind of thing under the rug because then you're guilty of disobeying scripture because scripture tells us if you know you if someone is caught in sin that you are to go to that person and and rescue them out of that because they're in danger. And so that it would be my answer. What would you do in that situation, Amy?
1: Well that that's absolutely biblical and and I I agree completely and uh want to share also that um I I like how you you said you know make sure it's not hearsay because if, if the friend doesn't know that you know well how did you find out you know <laughs> so there mm-hmm. there could be rumors going around whether or not they're true they're they're rumors and I might ask the person who who told me or you know however you became aware well how do you know did you go to that person yourself you know so yeah. um That'd be a good question to ask but yeah what, everything you said about uh, Matthew eighteen is, is completely uh, uh the perfect answer that that's how church discipline works that's how Jesus set it up and uh thankfully as as women of God you know and and if this is our friend um we can be that initial you know part one of Matthew eighteen and and bring our concerns to this sister in Christ we hope and we pray that she'll reprint right then and there right. sometimes just being caught is uh is the thing that that slaps you in the face and says oh my goodness i'm really sinning um other times not though yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's really unfortunate um adultery and we got to call it adultery we can't say an affair right exactly uh, it really it truly is the kind of sexual sin that's just devastating to families it um it's the ultimate betrayal and, and the poor spouse, you yes. know, is probably blindsided. So, um, but, but yes, as, as women of God, I, w- I was going to kind of go down this path and then my train derailed. But, <laughs> but as women, we can certainly, you know, after step one and step two, Step aside because mm-hmm. then, by then, it's in the the hands of the elders and the church, and then right. they're the ones that determine what happens after that. Um, we don't have to worry about being in charge of any kind of discipline. Our our job is done. We we went to her. We exhorted her. We maybe brought our husband or another friend to come alongside and pray and and um, continue to exhort. And that's that's where our responsibility ends. Except that we want to be there to support uh, our our friends. Her, her if she has children. If uh, you know, the husband, um, there's going to be a lot of hurting people. And that's where the church needs to come together. You know, it's it's not a time for whispering. Um, but I appreciate the the listener who sent that one in. Thank you yeah, for that's, doing that.
0: That's a good scenario for what would you do for sure.
1: <laughs> yes, it is.
0: All right. So here's our last scenario. All right. Now, this is one. This is a what did you do, Amy? I think I think that you will uh, find this familiar. Ah. All right. You've you've been invited to speak at a large conference for Christian women with several other platform speakers. You've always wanted Mm -hmm. to speak at this conference. It's on your ministry bucket list, so to speak. Not only that, it pays well and your family could really use the money. Suddenly, Mm -hmm. shortly before the date of the event, another speaker is added to the lineup. And she's a false teacher. <laughs> now, I, I added some details oh. in there. So I'm not sure this is exactly like the situation you faced, but
1: it's sounding familiar. It is, yes, it sound vaguely
0: familiar. So what would you do? What did you do? Answer however you like.
1: <laughs> okay, this this actually did happen um, quite a few years ago. Now, I believe it was in 2020, 2021, somewhere in there. And uh it was all set to speak uh at a great conference it was uh, it was about discernment and um unfortunately a, a well known um uh false teacher was invited. Um, and not everybody, I guess maybe she's well known in, among uh, discerners who know that she's kind of got off the rails, but uh, but she was invited to speak. And, and the conference um, folks who put it on uh, actually are very discerning people, but just hadn't heard the latest that she had done. And uh, because it was still pretty new things, things were happening. And uh, so very quietly, uh, several of us uh, who were speaking, um, contacted the, the conference uh, providers And organizers and said, listen, we have some concerns. The speaker that uh, was just announced uh, has some red flags and um, this is what's going on. And then we would share, uh, we each separately shared uh, our concerns and um, just kind of put it in in their hands to see what they would do if they would disinvite her. And uh, because I knew that if if she wasn't disinvited, I couldn't I couldn't speak. Um, so, so that's what happened. And and the people were uh, very thankful and appreciative that we had done that. They uh, they didn't just take our word for it. They they looked into it. Um, they uh, researched the links that we provided, looked at the pictures of her uh, speaking and platforming with other false teachers in the NAR, uh, New Apostolic Re- Reformation. And they, they did say, you know, please be patient with us. Don't say anything yet. That we want some time to approach her and see if she'll, you know, repent. And uh, what, what happened was she did not um, dug her heels in, and so then they, they politely uninvited her and then got back to each of us. And I think it was about two weeks that had um, spanned, but, but none of us would get on social media and say, oh, no, you right. know, this is what happened. So we, we uh, put our faith and trust in the people who uh, ran the concert that they would be discerning and wise enough to know what to do, and they did the right thing. And, and I'm very, very grateful, and they're very grateful, too, so um, excited yes. about that yeah, that's what happened. That's what we did. And I, w- I was thrilled that that it went the way it did. It it might not have. And then I would have had to be in a very uh, tough position and, and several other speakers as well um, that we, we couldn't have uh, participated yeah. then. And
0: I just so. thought you, I remember when that happened and I just thought you handled that so beautifully and uh, and courageously. I mean, it takes guts to to go to these people who have been so kind and asked you to speak and said and say, look, yeah. I, I, you kind of feel like that you're giving them an ultimatum or something. And I I would I know you would never be the kind of person who would do that. <sighs> yeah. I would never be the kind of person who would do that. It feels like you're being a diva or whatever. When you're really not, Um, but I, you know, I would do the same thing that you did, Amy. I would go to those conference organizers. I would explain the doctrinal problems with the speaker who had been added, and you know, I would do the same thing you did. Although I would be as kind and gracious as possible, I would have to let them know that if they insisted on keeping that false teacher, I wouldn't be able to to speak at their conference. And also, if they insisted on keeping the false teacher then speaking at that conference would no longer be on my bucket list because I just don't have any use for an organization that calls itself Christian and yet sides with a false teacher mm-hmm. over the word of God and over the clear evidence that this person is violating over and over and over again, the word of God. I'm, I'm just ashamed of organizations yeah. like that. Second John 9 11 says that whoever gives, even gives a greeting to a false teacher takes part in his wicked works. So how much more wicked is it to platform yeah. him as a trustworthy teacher at a Christian conference? I mean, that's evil. And then Romans sixteen seventeen tells us yeah. to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that we've been taught, avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. I mean, do we want to encourage and help them to do that? And then 2 Corinthians 6, starting at verse 14, says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. God's Word says that we are to have nothing to do with false teachers, and obeying Him is exponentially more important than the the, the recognition of speaking at a big conference or any amount of money or keeping a commitment to conference organizers who've betrayed you, but more importantly, have betrayed God in siding with a false teacher. You know, The same basic scenario happened to Alistair Begg a few years ago. I think it was 2019. He was one of the platform speakers at Mm -hmm. Baylor University's Truett Seminary um, National Preaching Conference. And I'm not sure of the exact sequence of the invitations to the speakers, but Tony Evans was another one of the speakers that, you know, somebody we would not recommend. Mm, And then as well as two women speaking to men at a preaching conference And one of those women was Beth Moore. Mm. And I remember, you know, when this happened, his followers absolutely went berserk when they found out and they sent him all kinds of comments and messages and asked him, you know, to step down and not speak. And his response was that when he agreed to speak, he didn't know that Beth Moore was one of the other speakers. I don't know if he knew about Tony Evans and the other woman or not. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he said that he felt like he had made a commitment. And so he went ahead and spoke. And listeners, I know a lot of y'all like Mm -hmm. Alistair Begg, and he's a brother in Christ. He's a great guy, I'm sure. But he blew it on that one. He really should have been true to God's word above all else. What kind of example did he set by sharing the stage with false teachers and women preaching to men at a preaching conference? I mean, but what an impact Mm -hmm. could he have had by refusing to speak and publicly explaining why nicely and graciously, but publicly explaining why, what a bold and beautiful and biblical statement that would have made. He just, he missed a huge opportunity there. So yeah, Amy, I totally agree with you. I I was so glad that you handled that situation the way that you did. It was fantastic. Example to me, um, the there's a question on, I, I have a form when people want to invite me to speak somewhere. And there's a question on there that was a direct result of the way that you handled that situation. It's, it's, it asks if I'm going to be the only speaker at the event. And if not, who are the other speakers going to be and what are their websites so I can check them out.
1: So. That is excellent. And, you know, I, I just want to say, too, that um, there was one thing that made it even harder uh, for all of us who were scheduled to speak. And uh, that was that uh, right in the middle of this, as we were waiting uh, for the conference organizers to, uh, you know, go through their process, as we said we would do, uh, another... Um, I guess so-called discernment ministry. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this, Michelle. Uh, decided to go public, and and they found out that uh, this speaker and they they put a, a picture of this this false teacher next to the rest of us and said, "How can these people yeah. call themselves discerning?" And then he named me. Yeah. How can Amy Spreeman call herself a discernment person? And she he said something mm-hmm. like, "I was a disgrace to discernment everywhere." It was. Yeah, he said some that. really horrible things about me, and it was it was yeah, it was so hard for me to to keep my mouth shut um, well, I did say what Ellers- the same thing Alistair Bag said. I said I didn't know this person was speaking when I agreed to do it, but we're I'm j- but just wait, you know. And I didn't say anything else. Right. That was the hard part. I, I wanted yes. to, of course, avenge myself and say, you know, make sure that everybody knew, but I, I-, I couldn't do that. I-, I promised the people that I would not, you know, cause any problems. I I didn't want a public dust up at all because I wanted to make sure that um, they had right. time to do what they needed to do, and that that was really hard. Uh, and and he had a lot of people agreeing with with him that uh that I was just this this really dumb person who you know, <laughs> couldn't hard. discern her way out of a paper bag i think was one of that the comments i read but yeah um but you know what yeah it it was hard but but i knew the truth i knew the truth was that uh you know behind the scenes there were other moving pieces going on and uh yeah we just had to stay faithful and and yeah. let the process work and, out
0: you know it's so hard to be Misrepresented like that when when you know what the truth is and other people don't know the whole story or they're making up lies about you or whatever. And I just always I always think back to Jesus when he was on trial and they were they were making false accusations against him. They were misrepresenting him. And he he just withstood all that. I just stand in awe of him being able to stand there and handle that in a godly way, because I know I wouldn't have. I would have yelled back at people. Yeah. I would have explained myself, you know. But a lot of the a lot of that time, he just kept his mouth shut and let them say whatever they want to say. And so I think you followed his example so well yeah. in that. And I just I just wanted to share oh. that because it was such a good example to me, and I know it's a good example to our listeners as well. So, all righty, I am ready for my last scenario. What would I do? Let's find out.
1: (laughs) This is really fun. This actually came from a listener, a man uh, who, I I don't even know if he's a listener. He just sent uh, this message for you, Michelle. Let's see. (laughs) He says this, you're going to probably laugh. You're probably going to laugh. He says, hey, if your husband says, I don't want you to use the phone after 7 p.m., does the wife have to do it? (laughs) Short and sweet, Steve. Thanks for asking. Uh, (laughs) All right, Michelle, go for it. (laughs) That is just fraught with so many questions. Um,
0: I would say, generally speaking, if your husband asks you to do something so simple as that, why would you not do it? I mean... He must have some kind right. of, unless he's a crazy person, he must have some kind of reasonable explanation for why he doesn't want you to do that. Like he wants you to spend more time with the family instead of yakking on the phone, or he wants you to get the dishes done instead of li- leaving yeah. them in the sink overnight while you're yakking on the phone. Um, he needs you to handle, you know, take care of the kids or he needs you to be quiet because he gets up at three in the morning and he needs to sleep or whatever. Mm. Um, Yeah. I would say if your husband asked you not to talk on the phone after seven o'clock for some reasonable, non-crazy explanation like that. Yeah. Why would you not do that? Because if if you had some little thing like that, that you had a very good reason for asking your husband not to do, you would want him to. Lay down that that right, so called right of his to to do that for you, wouldn't you? And we're supposed to mm-hmm. to treat other people the way that we want to be treated, especially in marriage. Now, husbands, <laughs> yeah. not that I want to be <laughs> telling you what to do or anything like that, but um, I would just say, uh, let me put it this way: we should all examine our motives for asking other people to do things like that and yeah. just make sure that, you know, they're reasonable. <laughs> they're not selfish. Um, one of the things <laughs> I recently memorized first Corinthians 13, and I have to go through first Corinthians 13 and confess every day, all the sins in that list. You know, I have not been patient. <laughs> I have yeah. not been kind. I have not, <laughs> you know, I have boasted and envied. I And one of the things on that list is love does not insist on its own way. That has been very convicting Mm. to me, especially in my marriage. Am I insisting on my own way? And especially am I insisting on my own way unreasonably? So I think that's a question we could all ask Mm. ourselves, but especially in marriage when we are uh, interacting with
1: our beloved. So I think that would be my answer. How would you handle that, Amy? Same. I I just kind of laughed at the question because I I didn't know where Steve was coming from because it was so short. Um, I didn't know if he was asking it like, uh, yeah, I can remember the question when it's short. (laughs) Well, and and I I don't know if he was asking, uh, you know, she has to mind me, right? (laughs) And he was looking for affirmation or... And I, I thought back to our first year of doing this, we we started doing this podcast in I think 2019. And one of the mm-hmm. first, I, I just remember the title, I don't remember much else about it. We'll have to dig this one up. But um, I think it was, why is it so hard? to follow the S-word, which is, of course, submit. Submit, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, you remember that one? Uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to dig that out, from, dust it off, and, and post it for people. But uh, but yeah, we've done a few episodes on biblical submission and marriage, and um, I think there's a bigger issue going on with people who ask that question for both the husband and the wife. Like you said, you know, uh, let's say it's Mike and Sally. So Mike and Sally, Mike has just told uh, Sally that he wants you not to use your phone after 7 o'clock. What do you say, Sally? What do you say? And uh, some of you Sallys might just say, well. Okay. And uh, some might react, though, with just absolute indignance, you know, how Mm -hmm. dare he? But I would just say uh, to the ladies, you know, take a deep breath and consider, why would he ask me to do that? Um, Maybe he communicated poorly, but am I on my phone too much? You know, do I, does he feel ignored? Like you said, Michelle, or are you neglecting your family or your time with him? Is your house in shambles? Uh, Are you not coming to bed at a decent hour? Are you neglecting your prayer your, your Bible reading time? So ask him why, but you probably, already know the answer if you have to ask that question and uh, yeah. you know, and it's so funny our mothers never had this sort of distraction this entire yeah. little computer the entire world of friends and circles of strangers all those recipes to browse through and video reels to scroll through you know who mm-hmm. I'm talking about right oh, yeah. it's all at your fingertips 24-7 um, and, and any one of us can easily just get so caught up in the the digital temptations. I know I have. I I do mm-hmm. from time to time. You know where where did the time go? It used to be you know before the kids were born, it would be a novel. Pretty soon dinner would come around, and it's like oh this book finally at the end, and I didn't make dinner, and I'm still yeah. not trusting. <laughs> right? Uh, oops. Yeah. But um, you know we need we need to be honest with ourselves and ask you know if if our husband has to ask us to do that, ask him to forgive you. You know, consider yes. saying. Ah, honey, thank you for... Caring enough about me to ask, and I'll do you one better. I'll unplug at five or even six instead. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then for the mics out there, yeah, husbands, (laughs) I would just consider you know walking your wife through the reasons that you have this request. Let her know how concerned you are, and that you want the best for her. And then lead by example. You know, if if you're not already doing that, uh, put your phone away to be with her. Um, You know, because Michelle, we've talked many times with husband and wife roles. Um, Your marriage really does flourish uh, when the husband leads well with love. And it's not that you're the master and she's the slave, but you're bonded together in Christ and you're walking together. So, um, But I, I just had to laugh at that question because it's so funny. It was
0: a good one. I liked it. Short, I, sweet, and to the point. I knew you would. I knew you would. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and I just want to offer one more thing to our, our wives on in that situation. When he asks you, kindly and nicely to please not use your phone after seven o'clock. Don't lead with all of your questions about why. If you don't, don't, like Amy said, maybe you should already know why he's asking you that. But if you don't, you're, and I'm speaking from personal experience, don't lead with all of your questions why and all the reasons why you should not. The first thing you should say is, Yes, I will be glad to do that. Look, I'm putting my phone down right now. And I I would really like to know uh, if it would be helpful to it would be helpful to me if you would uh, help me to understand why you would like for me to do that. And Mm -hmm. then let him explain it to you and and listen to him. (laughs) Don't just be sitting there thinking again personal experience speaking. <laughs> don't just be sitting there thinking of all the reasons why he's being unreasonable and you shouldn't have to put your phone away or whatever. Really listen to what he's saying, because yeah. this could be helpful to you in your sanctification. It probably will be, you know, to to listen to him and, and help have him explain to you what his concerns are um, that you may not even be aware of. So don't lead with all your questions why and all your, for your reasons why you shouldn't have to do that. But yeah. just immediately say yes and then um you know seek information uh, as to why
1: he might be asking you to do that. Oh great. That's so. a, that's great advice. Yep. Yeah, and there's a whole <laughs> world out there when you put your phone down and realize it's it's right in your own home. <laughs> yeah. Like, all the good stuff is right there. So yeah. That's right.
0: <laughs> well, and that's going to wrap things up for this episode of What Would You Do? But before we go, Allie, who listens to us on Apple Podcasts in the USA, was so kind to leave us a five-star rating oh. and an encouraging review. And she said, God has saved me out of New Age and then NAR beliefs, New Apostolic Reformation. I am so glad, so thankful for this podcast that has helped to bring clarity to the word and what it means to be a woman after God's heart. I have learned a lot and greatly look forward to each episode. Hope to meet you both in person someday to share my appreciation. Ah, that's so sweet. Thanks, thank you Allie. so much, Allie. I hope we get to meet one day too. Yes. We are so grateful to God for using our small efforts here at a Word Fitly Spoken to help you in your walk with the Lord.
1: Yeah, and thank you for taking the time to encourage us, Allie, with your comment. We also want to say thank you to Melanie, who became a monthly donor on Patreon. And thank you to all of our patrons over at Patreon who donate so faithfully every month. We appreciate you and you really do help us defray the costs of uh, having a podcast like this. So if you'd like to become a patron or support us via PayPal, uh, just visit our website, awordfitlyspoken.life, and click on the support tab. And while you're there, check out all our other resources, including the speaking tab. That's where you can find out how to book Michelle and me to speak at your next women's event. And until next time, what should you do? Well, you should find the answers to all life's questions in your Bible. And walk